Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 91. Uh, it's a return conversation with Sheila Magatza. She is, I talked to her earlier in the podcast. She is the uh, artistic director of the Jazz Festival and the Wellington the International Arts Festival. Last time I talked to her, I think it was episode 65. I'll, I'll include a link to it in the notes anyway. Um, that was really about the Jazz Festival. We, we touched on the fact that she did the International Arts Festival too, but that was really previewing the, the Jazz Festival. So this is the opposite. We, we start off um, talking about how great this year's Jazz Festival was, and then we get into uh, previewing next year's uh, International Festival, the, the Festival of the Arts, as it's still kind of colloquially uh, known as, um, which happens every two years um, in Wellington and includes all sorts of international and local stuff across the full spectrum of the arts, you know, ballet and dance, theatre. Uh, there's a bit of stand-up comedy this time, uh, which isn't always there. Um, some great musical acts. Um, we preview as many of these things as we can and talk about it and talk a little bit about the scheduling of it, the, the programming and the, the conflicts that come up, the frustrations. Because I'd talked to Sheila earlier, um, we had talked about a bit about her background, her life, her life experience and building up to the job in that earlier conversation. So we don't do that again, um, which is why I'll include the link if you do want to check that out. Um, this time it's just all festival because uh, apart from anything else, this is um, Sheila's final final festival. She's worked for the festival for many years. Um, she's had this role for the last um, handful of, of arts festivals and uh, and she's moving on. So uh, she, she needs a new job. So uh, someone employ her because she's a fantastic person I really enjoyed um, talking with her once again and, and talking through what I think is going to be a really exciting arts festival I've I've covered the arts festival um, across the last 18 years in one way or another nine nine festivals um, well counting the new one it will be so uh, I always get pretty into this time of year and uh, you know, maybe we, we wanted to run this conversation now because may, maybe it'll help them sell some tickets. Maybe it's a good Christmas present for you or your friends and family members. Buy them a, buy them a ticket to something. Um, you know, go and see Thundercat. Go and see some of the amazing uh, dance and theatre that's on. Go to go to some of the shows. Um, there's, there's some Kohar and free stuff. There's some stuff for the whole family and there's stuff that's very much something for maybe just you and the one other significant person in your life. So yeah, it's a chat, all things art festival and as always a big thank you to um, Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat and to Yeastie Boys. This is me talking once again with Sheila Magatza. So last time I talked to you and first time I met you we talked about um, the jazz festival and I thought um, we gave a big plug, we went through everything that was happening and I just wanted to say... Um, what an amazing jazz festival that was. I feel like it was, I mean, they've, they've been very good, but I sort of feel like I went to a lot of things at that and I didn't see a single, even average show. Everything was great or tremendous. Oh, you know? thank you. I, I know. I love that festival. It's little and boutique, mm. but mm. there's something very special about it. And I think a lot of that is down to the musical community of Wellington, mm -hmm. you know. They pull out yeah, it does. Stops. It feels like it's growing um, in, I guess, appreciation yeah. every year. Like there's been good, consistently good turnouts over the last. Obviously, you get the odd thing that you wish it sold yeah. a few more tickets than you, than it did, and all of that. But I just sort of the things I attended this year, they're all really well attended, 
and really well supported. No one, no one seemed to be going along to something with any kind of confusion as to what they were seeing either. Yeah. They they either had done their research or it was all very clear. Yeah. And they it did what it said on the box. You know, they got <laughs> they got the show. They I, I guess Bill Frizzell was probably an interesting one for some people because yeah. because of his longevity in the yeah. game. I did speak to some people who who somehow wanted. Not more from him, but different things from yeah. him. And he's one. Of, it's a bit like going and seeing Miles Davis and him only playing one album. So, yeah, exactly. You know. Where was Shannon Doerr? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. He did go on a, quite a different tack, didn't he? Yeah. And also, I mean, I loved it because Hayden took it in a different direction as well, yeah. having her there. Yeah. Um, and she was yeah could, could be quite esoteric, but yeah. I mean, I I love that because I'm quite familiar with that material in particular, and I like you know I've I've heard her in a few different contexts and. I was sitting there going, this is exactly what I want, but I could tell that there are a few people going, oh, this is nice, yeah. but is there something else coming? And, yeah. you know, like, but I still think overall that one out, you know, yeah. it was not, a, you know, there might yeah. be the odd person disappointed by that, I guess, yeah. but not by his ability, just yeah. just the material. And I think similarly the year before, Wayne Shorter had a yes. similar reaction because it was such yeah. a quiet... Piece. Well, see, yeah, I was, I was on concert. the opposite side there. I was... I was more underwhelmed by Wayne Shorter than I thought I would be. Yeah. I, went, I went in, you know, I know his work. I went in expecting whatever I was going to get was going to be great. And yeah. I was a little disappointed on the he night. He was really reserved, wasn't mm, he? Mm. He really held back. And in fact, a lot of it was carried Oh, it was all the other the guys. Yeah. And he kind of just was kind of... But I, now the, I, I grew to appreciate that. Oh, totally. I was going to say, there were no complaints there too in terms of, you know, I mean, what an extraordinary band. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of like... I, as much as I like Wayne Shorter and, and would have seen him with anyone, you know, yeah. knowing that Brian Blade was playing was, for me, was, and I think he probably was the star of the night. Yeah. And knowing he was going to be there was, you know, I would have gone and seen him play with anyone. Mm. So um, when I was talking to you about that jazz festival, you would have been in the middle of many negotiations around some arts festival stuff, but then. Oh, absolutely. And funnily enough, um, Cecile McLaren Solvent was intended mm. for that jazz ah, festival. Ah, right, yeah. And uh, somewhere along the way, things got diverted because huh. when we booked her for the jazz oh, festival originally, she was kind of this new emerging singer mm. and it was going to be all. And then in the, in the time it took between our kind of initial agreement and signing everything, a whole bunch of other people heard about it. Yeah, I was going to say, she, the, like, t <laughs> the timing is now really exquisite, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Because she was known, but. It just seems to be on another yeah, level now, and gone. obviously there's that new double album, which is, you know, if you're going to prepare for someone's show, yeah. that's the thing to listen to. Like, that, that, that tell, like she's done other good albums, but that gives you a snapshot of probably what you're yeah. going to... And the breadth of what she can do. Mm, mm. So that, in the end, got flipped into this festival because then a bigger tour was arranged because there were many, many more promoters interested in her. But I still think... Um, She's one of those people that you need to see live. She's, mm -hmm. again, one of those people who just has this incredible command of a concert hall, mm. technical aptitude, but also just a real intelligence and command of everything mm. she's using, and I think she'll be quite a special one. Yeah, and a really great band, and yeah. that whole interplay, and, you know, the experience of, you know, of, of how that works. Yeah. Where... You, I imagine once people are sort of hip to her, they're going to be a fan, but... I also could see that being 
one of those one-off concert experiences where you just go yeah. and watch that and are blown away by it yeah. and maybe don't feel the need to revisit the music on yeah. whatever level but yeah. I've certainly enjoyed listening to her but albums I think she's great where she goes after this mm. and I think a lot of it's going to depend on who she collaborates with from here mm. um, but I like that she does a great mix of original and mm. standards and she's got you know a lot of those she's she's very adaptable mm. so yeah interesting mm. to see what yeah. comes after eh? um so you yeah well since we've started there we might as well talk about the music which has obviously always been my um main interest with the festival in terms of i've, I've, I've covered nine festivals i realized so 18 years of that is a lot yeah going to the festival yeah, yeah. and 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 sometimes busier than others but pretty busy like going to a lot of shows yeah um it's a pretty strong music program it, it usually is i'd say it always is pretty much um but this feels like a, a really strong music program with with a nice mix of some acts we've seen before, if not at the festival, but they've been in Wellington, but it hasn't been for a while, mm. and and you know some completely new mm. new talent or or um, and a great mix of local and international where the locals are elevated to, I guess this is one of the things about the festival the local acts are deservedly elevated to the same level as the internationals you know yeah. they're, they're not just something you go off and see on a small stage for much cheaper because the big act is the international act yeah no there I think <clears throat> we've been treading water slightly as we've been waiting for the town hall mm. saga to unravel and realizing after waiting a couple of years that um, we weren't going to get it back for some time we went back to our tent format, bringing mm -hmm. back the Pacific Crystal Palace, which is um, limited in its capacity, but for an audience point of view, you know, oh, good, because it's such cool. an intimate yeah, yeah. space to see music in. Yes. And we've crammed a lot in there from things like Perfume Genius, which I think if you could see him in that tent, mm. then that's a very special night, to people like Tex and Rhea Hall, who's got her new album coming mm. out, and trying to give a real variety of experiences in there as well, mm. ranging from circus to cabaret to comedy as well as music mm. to try and make it a social space I guess as well so yeah, yeah. yeah um, definitely it was an area that we wanted to kind of elevate slightly this mm -hmm. time because mm -hmm. um, we have been kind of dancing around this issue of venues for mm. a while so we just mm. needed to kind of make a decision and go ahead on something mm. so I hope that's going to work and yeah. people are going to be drawn down there yeah 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 um, yeah and another you know again people like you're grabbing people at sometimes uh, another example I think of getting someone at, at maybe the right time is Thundercat yeah who, who has been to New Zealand yeah and obviously there are people that have been aware of him for a while and yeah. he's done plenty of things and he and, and he performs um you know in other bands and with other with people but, yeah, yeah yeah but but his own thing has really exploded this year and become more um not not more, more mainstream is not quite the word but just Rec yeah. recognized yeah, why yeah. he's not yeah. the sidekick no no no, no. and no. it's nowhere near as fringe as it was when he was last here yeah um so that's going to be a, i think know. it's going to be a huge amount of fun that yeah. One. yeah yeah and there's a lot of music actually i was thinking about this the other day we were talking about the music program and i realized how much live music there is across the program and a lot of mm. the theater and dance as well and i i'm glad of that because it's one of the things that i feel um those big stage performances are hugely enhanced by live music and it's becoming mm -hmm. more and more a kind of important language of how you create those big productions ranging from there's a huge amount of musicality in things like the select the Hemingway piece which is a very very physical production mm. um, a lot of dance and 
uh, a beautiful, it's almost like a foley soundscape to it. Then Barbershop Chronicles, which of course is full of great mm. African mm. rhythms. And um, I sang one today at staff meeting. Everyone looked like looked at me like I was nuts. But we were just working through the copyright for yeah. a whole lot of different songs. And there's a classic one that, you know, in my entire youth at every African disco you'd hear. I don't know if you know, sweet mama, yeah, yeah. how can I forget you? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we're getting the rights for that sorted at the moment. So that's got a really kicking, yeah. you know, and then your diggity is another one. And it's yeah. got a really great, great mix of songs. And then things like um, the Orpheus Project has yeah. a, a whole live Baroque score performed by a Grammy Award winning tenor and coming over from here. Uh, from sorry the states as well as musicians from here and Australia, mm. and then this beautiful Swan Lake has this kind of like Scandinoir soundtrack mm. performed live at the back of the stage. So well, yeah, I feel like because um, I used to go to some of the um, we would sometimes have uh, like a little advance sneak peek of the pre- of the program. Some of them probably still happens, but some of the press would maybe sometimes get to see that or, or attending the program launch. And I feel like since about 2010, there's been this real emphasis on the blurring of of boundary lines, and yeah. and and that a festival is is always a multidiscipline experience. Yeah, yeah. and that's the way that artists mm. are working more and more. Mm. And now, as they you know bring new technologies into their practice, I think it's just you know yeah. going to fade away just about. And it's really interesting talking to people like Michael Parmenter. I was up last week um, watching a work in progress showing for his work, the Orpheus Project, where he's also kind of blending very traditional and contemporary ideas. He's telling the Orpheus myth, the story, but he's using it as the basis for a very contemporary political observation on as a metaphor really for the human voice the importance of the human voice and the power of the human voice to resist mm. when um when things are not right and it's a really beautiful juxtaposition that brings french baroque repertoire alongside david down's original composition mm. and mm. an electronic score and i think it's going to be amazing in the way that they fuse that all together it's really yeah it, it's fantastic and i think that way of working becomes more and more exciting mm. 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 and i guess um I mean, this is only one of the things, but I, I suppose the whole explosion of internet content has been an influence on, uh, you know, creators working out that you don't have to sit in any one box anymore. Yeah, you know, well... If so many things exist online and yeah. in and across so many different lines. And, you know, our TV shows these days are you know one one week the episode's 60 minutes long and the next week it's 40 minutes long and it doesn't matter because they're not mm. time to add breaks or so just to, just within that as well a comedy can be deeply serious a drama can have very profound mm. um humor aspect to it and it doesn't matter and i feel like that's sort of happening across the arts in general mm, it is and we're dipping our toe in the water with this digital playground event Mm. Um, we were collaborating with a number of artists, mostly from America, but from a couple of other places as well. Particularly um, an organisation called The Future of Storytelling. And they are looking at how the arts are embracing all these particularly digital technologies. And it's a, I went up to see them in New York about a month or so ago and got a kind of example of the works that are going to be coming here because I'm not that tech savvy myself. And it really was... Um, 
as somewhat of a kind of you know technophobe uplifting and exhilarating mm. to be in this you know immersive vr or ar experiences some of them are installations and see how differently you react within mm. um a digital environment that almost liberates your own expression of how you're seeing the work like you often use your body in response to it you're like you're standing up or you're balancing or mm. um sometimes you're uh, actually determining the outcome of what's happening and what you're seeing and that's a whole different way of making theatre, telling stories, and also creating a visual world that's not bound by physics. You know, you can create dancers that can dance all around you, over your head, and all mm. sorts of things. And it's really, really liberating and exhilarating. And I'm just interested to see where that's going to go in the long term, because um, theatre itself, I think, is going to be hugely challenged, mm. as it already is being by screen culture, but mm. even more... One of the artists that I, I spoke to about those pieces, his real, his real thrill was the fact that he says he feels that the audiences are moving away from being passive and now are participants in the work, mm -hmm. and that's why he particularly loves that medium. I've, I've gone to more theatre this year than I have in, in recent years. I've, I've m attended most of the big productions at Circa, for example, this year, and I guess I'll put that down to many things but also it's just getting a bit easier to, to juggle the childcare and, <laughs> and things like that and uh, and it's nice to get out at night and, and go to things that aren't just a concert so I, I've always attended a, quite a bit of theatre but I can't say I've, because of music reviewing I haven't got to a lot of theatre at the festival it has been those crossover things those those musical concerts that have a theatrical element to them for me but uh, gosh I've, every single, single thing I've seen this year I've either been impressed with or blown away by it and I've been part of an audience that you know feels like it's there for the right reason yeah. for, for that for that that I that very idea of stepping away from screen time so mm -hmm. you, you know yeah it's being challenged but we have to kind of we have to I guess and you know you and I are probably similar here and 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 the work that we do you have to believe that the good stuff's still going to rise to the oh. top and be recognised and noticed, don't you? you have and to... also the power of live performance. Mm, and you're making yeah. me think of two things, actually. One is Home, this beautiful piece by Jeff Sabell that we've commissioned and is going to be performed next year, uh, mm. next month in New York before it comes here. And that um, that really brings the whole... When you're sitting in the audience, you become part of that work in a really visceral way. And I won't give away how, but you, mm. know, you actually do become part of the work. But also that sense of community and a shared experience and a, um, a shared memory, I guess, that's being laid down at that moment by Jeff and his team is really, really powerful mm. and gives you that sense of nostalgia and whimsy for so many things in your life that I think you don't get by uh, any, other, any other form of... Um, arts, I think live experience, and the other one I'm thinking of that is incredibly powerful at that level is Betroffenheit, which is a collaboration between a theatre maker and a dance, um, a choreographer from Canada, Crystal Pite, who I think is one of the greatest choreographers of our time. I think she's going to be remembered like Pina Bausch is now remembered mm. in 30 years time. Everything I've seen of hers is stunning and clever and really well thought in terms of design and staging and a kind of dramaturgy but this piece is about um, the aftermath of a, of a terrible tragedy in the theatre maker's life in, in, in kind of a real life tragedy that happened and it is such a, an incredibly intelligent moving and empathetic way of examining someone's mental state 
physical state and emotional state in that aftershock, that deep, deep grief and trauma that follows something. But you could, I'm amazed that such complex ideas were expressed mainly physically. There's a little bit of text in it, but the journey that you go on in your mind is really mainly image-based from the movements that they've created and the images that they've created. But um, it really is something that was so abstract, but so primal that mm. when you come out of it, you kind of know exactly what they were saying. And there's mm. no, there's really no other way to do that except in live performance, mm. Mm. I think. Um, and the, the festival has always done a great job, I think, in putting together such a big range of theatre, like from the, the what's his name, was it Robert Lepage? The, yeah eight hour long yeah, yeah. six Seven hour long yeah yeah, yeah 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 those sorts of things to to the you know very interactive family-based stuff um things that you take you know the kids to and it's open air and it's donation or it's free, free or whatever to obviously you pay a big price for something that's going to run for mm. <laughs> seven or eight hours because it's an enormous production mm. um but just like this that's just one aspect of the program and mm. that in itself is so wide-ranging it's a challenge i think both a challenge and an opportunity of the festival because we only happen every two years mm. you need to address as broad a range of people as you can also we're putting a world festival on in a small city mm. so in order to kind of get everyone on board and make them feel that there's something there that they can relate to you do have to put quite a broad offering on the table mm. and sometimes that's a challenge because you see little boutique things that you kind of absolutely love but yeah. you know that it'll be you and an audience yeah plenty. exactly how so does that translate let those yeah. things go but the good thing i think is that it does then tend to kind of energize the whole city and the community and there's lots of different ways that you can experience the festival and i hope that we'll do that with the family stuff this year we've got um peter and the wolf i just want to do a little plug for that because mm. i saw it at its premiere on friday um made by silo theater directed by sophie uh, roberts and music by leon radakovich and it's just brilliant it's a rock version of peter mm. and the wolf so he's got about a six-piece ensemble um and uh the wolf is a guitar um, and Peter, I think, was a clarinet. I can't remember what he was. Oh, no, violin. So they've completely rearranged mm. the score, the original, and they've made this beautiful live animation set on stage. So the kids can actually watch almost like a movie being made in front of them, and it's it's beautiful. It's mm. a really sweet piece. Mm. So that's a really good one for kids. And then, of course, there's the Star Wars. Yeah, madness. I was going to say, that's for kids of all ages, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of people my age and older yeah. heading to that, even you know, even if they don't have children, yeah. and, and uh, or getting a babysitter to leave the kids at home I so know. they can... I've been surprised how families. people yeah. are um, John Williams fans, just the yes. music aspect yeah. of it as well. I like bet. Hamish McKeach, at the, yeah. who's conducting it um, for the orchestra. Um, the how seriously his score is taken by music people as well. So mm. that's been really gratifying to see people respond to it at different levels. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are there are several pieces from the main Star Wars score that are both iconic in the movie and also in in, in their various sort of appropriations over the years. Yeah, you know? like there are little snatches of that score that have been used yeah. to to both comically and yeah. in serious homage. Yeah, now, yeah. I went back and watched the movie uh, when we were thinking about programming this, 
and I grew to appreciate it more because I guess when I was watching that movie originally I wasn't paying as close yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to the score but you realise that what John Williams was doing there was an operatic quality in assigning particular themes to particular mm -hmm. people and they kind of come up as motifs as the action mm. kind of unfolds and you realise that it was pretty much genius yeah. and seeing it as now a 40 year old piece you realise you know it was a visionary project mm. and um, yeah I guess yeah. I, you know, in my <laughs> ten-year-old self, didn't appreciate. No, it. or you weren't supposed to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you weren't supposed to. They just wanted your money then. You yeah. Know, you just go, go and see the film and have whatever experience you want to have. But yeah. no, I mean, I really like that that sort of angle. I, I can't remember if it was at the. I feel like it was at the arts festival a few years ago. There was a was it Vector Orchestra did a whole bunch of different movie, um, and no video game. Soundtracks. Oh really? And it was, I, I feel like that was an arts festival thing. It was quite a few years ago. But I, I, I was, a, I mean, I'm not really a gamer, mm. but I recognise the big games and the ones that have some sort of, you know, either movie spin-offs or, or whatever. They have some sort of extra cultural experience. They become bigger than just a, a game for gamers. Mm. And one of the aspects of that was, yeah, they had a lot of them had these really great scores and really great. And I remember going to the the thing probably closest to the Star Wars thing you're doing that I've seen is I went to the Vivid Festival in Sydney when oh, you wow. saw the Blade Runner oh, wow. um, score, which yeah. was performed by this giant orchestra um, from the UK with with that scenes, yeah, with scenes, not quite the whole film, but scenes from the film playing behind it, and that was amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. Because again, iconic score, yeah. Like whether you, even people who don't care too much about that film, yeah, know about that music, um, yeah. But that was amazing, yeah. That was absolutely, and those sorts of experiences are pretty cool. So yeah, I feel like that Star Wars one is going to be a pretty easy sellout. Mm. Mm. Well, we hope well, so. Well, pretty good turnout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all looking good at the moment. Yeah. Um, before we... T oh, I was going to say another thing that you do well, I, I think, is, um, say, the inclusion of something like Grizzly Bear. Yeah. It, I feel like the festival's got really good at doing this over just the last half decade. Um, something like that, you can imagine people who have never, for whatever reason, bought an arts festival ticket but their favourite band is Grizzly Bear. Yeah. So next thing they're part of the arts festival yeah. without realising it. Yeah. By the same token, people who support the arts festival and are interested in being having their ears open to things might not know Grizzly Bear, but they read a good blurb about them, they see that they're one of the big parts of the festival, and they go along because they are going along to a handful of other things, and suddenly yeah. they're a Grizzly Bear fan. And you yeah. do that kind of that cross-pollination very yeah. well. Yeah. Well, you know... As you've already alluded to, contemporary culture is culture. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's it's it, it done well. It enjoys as and much as part a, of the festival. A literal grab bag, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to get you to talk about before we sort of mention any other things, um, um, you know, in, in terms of plugging things or going through the program, is I asked you a little bit about this last time, but if you could maybe try and explain a little bit for people listening, the enormity and intensity of scheduling a festival you've already said you you know it happens every two years um but how some some sort of idea around timelines and the, the madness of how busy and how frustrating it yeah. gets disappointments yeah. uh, any of those sorts of things if you could sort of oh. explain a little bit of uh, around that absolutely and it's always you always feel in almost a state of shock when you finally get to the end <laughs> printer program and as one um, wise festival director said to me some years ago, 
the thing, Sheila, is that nobody knows when they see that program what isn't in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because what, what you, you thought can almost was almost print ten more of these yes. um, of the brochures with what you the conversations that yeah, you've had along drafts. the way. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you start nearly eighteen months to two years out, sometimes longer with work and development. Someone like Michael Palmer has been talking about a dance opera like the one he's doing for as long as I've known him, maybe ten years. So there's those sorts of things, but then. You know, you you, have, you make your plans. I guess I do. I do always start with a framework and go. This is what we're setting out to do in the next festival. Yeah. Whether it's an artistic theme or whether it's you know we need to do more contemporary music or we need a you know stronger yeah offering for kids. Whatever it is, and then you kind of try and fill that plan in as best you can. But a lot of it beautifully depends on happenstance and what people are making and who wants to tour at the mm. time. And other tour partners that you can rustle up for the bigger works because some of the big stuff you need to get a few of you on board mm. to make it all happen. So there's a lot of kind of backroom bartering with other festivals in the region. And then some of it's just persuading companies to come down here. Like we're really lucky with Michael Keegan Doolan. They're fitting us into the tiniest, tiny space, but he loves Wellington. He's been here twice before, so yeah. he agreed to bring that Swan Lake down after I I saw it in Brighton and took the train back to London that night and cried just about the whole way from wow. Brighton to London I was so moved by the piece yeah. and then the next day I was like oh my god please come to it please um, so there's those things and then there are the things that go wrong which um, people may or may not know David Byrne all was well when we went mm. to print all wasn't well by the time um, yeah now that was a particularly um upsetting for a lot of people but also difficult for you guys I imagine and that hideous how how quickly yeah you as you say you go to print yeah so and okay he's not just a um a little added act. on no, added on he, person he would have been a major headlining act and I think a great festival artist for many reasons because yeah. of the different facets of his practice as a writer as a music critic and kind of yeah theorist as well as you know yeah cultural commentator now is, isn't he yeah, like as well artist. as a multidisciplinary artist yeah yeah and his crazy dancing can't go yeah yeah and his, excellent, and his excellent music yeah 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 <laughs> um so yeah and then you know there's just moments like that where you've gone ahead in trust and confidence in something and it just doesn't happen and the only good thing about that is that we caught it soon enough before yes. tickets went on sale, so you know no damage was done other than reputational yeah. to us. But they are extremely kind of disappointing, and you realise then how much our industry works on good faith. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Contracts are all very good, but actually, um, real life and good mm. relationships are what makes things yeah. happen. And when you're part of um, when you know the New Zealand festival stop is essentially just part of a bigger tour that yeah. an artist is undertaking. Yeah. Um, it's hard to to do much there and mm. also to, to correctly translate that to a lot of your audience yeah. because they just think, well, hang on, it was booked for the festival. Yeah. So why isn't he still coming to... Yeah. I imagine there's been a bit of that. Oh, or, and also, you know, there's a chain of intercedence yes. between us and the great man himself. And yes. so anywhere along that chain, decisions yes. are made that you don't have that you're control not, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's sort of heartbreaking and frustrating but obviously you never go to print going this is the one act that sells the festival either no, so you have no. that up your sleeve that yeah. you'd never do it that way you're so right for so exactly that reason that, I guess well that's where I kind of feel blessed because mm. if we were purely a music festival mm. or we were kind of a 
promoter who went event by event, this would be more disastrous. Yes, yeah, but yeah, when yeah. we've got 40 something other things on, then we yeah. can just go, okay, deep shame yes. and deep apologies to his fans. But yes. um, we've got other things that we can focus on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other, <laughs> yeah. other problems that will arise between now and February that'll yeah, yeah, <laughs> keep us yeah. busy. Because yeah. uh, there are, you know, many that come along. And one of the biggest, you know, things that's keeping me busy is the Walker project that's. Um, the image of which has oh, informed yeah. the whole brochure because yeah. that's a whole different um, a whole different world for festival promoters, producers yeah. the world of sailing, the world of kind of Pacific navigation mm. a lot of iwi based stuff, a lot of community based stuff and it's really joyous, it's really for me over the over a year now, 18 months that we've been working on this nearly two years actually it's kind of unfolded a whole story of Aotearoa New Zealand that I hadn't been engaged with up to that point. And I've met incredible people along the way and heard incredible stories. And so I'm super, super excited to share those now on a mm. broader platform. And also what we didn't realise when we started this whole escapade was we I hadn't seen the Moana release ah, coming yeah. out of the my peripheral vision. Mm. But I think that's brought the story or that kind of that whole narrative into much more popular view. Mm. I've been out in the suburbs of Karori and <laughs> heard kids on trampolines singing yeah, <laughs> the yeah, soundtrack, yeah. which is kind of really heartwarming. So it feels like it's the zeitgeist at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that's a challenge because it's to do with boats, it's to do with our harbour, it's to do with the weather. Always mm, a mm. good thing. A lot to, of variables. <laughs> <laughs> good thing to keep an eye on. Yes. Um, but the end result, if we get it right, I think is something that speaks so strongly. To to our place in the world, our combined cultures, the stories of journeys that began the whole peopling of Aotearoa. You know, it's mm. not just a Polynesian story in the end, it's the story of everybody. Um, and a great, you know, this is us, this is Wellington on a good day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I think it'd be quite special. Tell me about um, the decision to include a bit of comedy into like stand-up comedy because I feel like that's something that's, that hasn't been overtly in the mm. festival at least in some time. Mm. It had a little, um, funnily enough, it went on a little windy path that decision. Uh, it was because we were looking at women comedians as a kind of distinctive thing, mm. especially with the 125th five years of suffrage mm. coming up next year. Mm. But we then kind of got. Um, slightly uh, distracted because we came across some really good good ones like Solomon Giorgio who's um, Ethiopian refugee mm. gay in the States and his kind of point of view is equally so we thought we'd just go down the comedy route in a um, what's the word uh, you know the alt comedy scene mm. rather than mm. the mainstream and mm. present um, but again because of the kind of social vibe of the Pacific Crystal Palace Something that's light-hearted but still mm. intelligent, still mm. got something interesting to say. Yeah, I was going to say, it sort of, um, comedy doesn't need this, but it sort of further legitimises it as an actual art form because it's it's obviously come leaps and bounds in terms of its acceptance and, I guess, its skill level in New Zealand over the last 20 years. It's been a real, um, uh, probably a struggle at various points to to create a culture around comedy. Yeah. And now we sort of have it. You yeah. have people that, you know, but you, it's still large, like we have it on our screens and so forth a lot more, local stuff, but it's still the sort of bastion of the once a year comedy festival, mm -hmm. unless you live in Auckland where there is a 
a regular comedy club. I mean, I know there are nights that go on all around the place, and mm. Wellington has a few, but it's nice to see it included in, a, in yeah. part of a larger bill of of all sorts of artworks. Well, in my spare time, uh, in my future, I'd love to do a, um, a paper on comedy and culture mm. because humour is such a vital part and vital expression of culture, and it also can be quite culturally specific, like the humour mm-hmm. of Norway versus the humour of Ethiopia and mm-hmm. New Zealand are very different. But they're ways of um, expressing sometimes difficult subjects in a way that people can kind of find it mm. not so threatening. Um, but also I just think it's kind of a fundamental part of human nature that I find quite intriguing, our need to have humour and comedy. Yes, yeah. And um, how, much it, how much it allows us to get through kind of relationship mm. and emotional kind of barriers to um, smooth things out. Mm. Yeah. And how thoroughly subjective humour is, yet there's this interesting meeting point of a whole lot of people going out with completely different experiences and, and, and baggage to go and see one person, all hoping that that one person is going to make them make laugh, them laugh. <laughs> even, even though they bring, you know, they've just had the worst day or they've just had the best day or whatever it is on a day-to-day basis plus whatever else, but it's all riding on which is an obscene amount of pressure to place on one person I know. in a way um, and the comedian knows that and knows it better than anyone else but it's yeah it's just sort of nice to see it included in an arts festival lineup I think and as you say it, 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 it'll go down nicely in that particular venue mm. where the idea is to encourage people to stick around to make an evening of something you know some yeah. people go for a drink and hang out and then attend an extra show almost by mistake you know mm. almost by just being lured into being mm. in a very comfortable a- atmosphere mm. yeah yeah no i think i think it'll add a lot to the to the whole vibe mm. Mm. um this is your last festival it is my last festival we talked a little bit about that last time i spoke to you but um what's it like now i mean you've still got we're still a few months out from the actual festival but uh, I know, the clock is ticking it in is, a way you must be starting on, to you know, feel the countdown I definitely am there's a few things that have happened where I go oh this will, the la- this will be the last time I do this particular yes, thing because yeah. it's so cyclical we're getting yeah. kind of ticking through that getting part into of the, the cycle yeah, so yeah. it does definitely feel like I'm approaching the end um, but there's enough to keep me you know busy and worried and yeah. waking up at 3 yeah. in the morning between now and March next year so I haven't really thought beyond that I guess the thing that I think the most about is how um, much the festival has influenced my life from when, when I came long, to New Zealand as a Yeah, I was going to say you had a, a long association with the festival. Yeah, it's kind of almost determined my life path um, in, a gr- in a good way, but it's also, uh, it's also good to see the kind of, to, to feel almost like a generational turnover mm-hmm. and um, see where it might go next. Have you saved enough money to start paying for tickets? <laughs> I know. Well, I thought that the other day. I thought, goodness me, now that I don't um, have to go to a lot of things yeah, for my work, you'll probably it'll enjoy... be really interesting to see what I choose because mm. I can't quite predict what it'll be, what I actually choose to go to. I think I'll go to a lot more music than I do currently. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because, yeah, I think that's that's where I feel I'm not getting out enough. Um, but also what I'll be able to afford to go to. Yeah, yeah. But there is something, I mean, I can sort of talk about that a little bit. There is something very good about um, 
you know, yeah, apart from the money aspect, <laughs> if, you, if you don't have it, but there, there is, and it is, it's always an indulgence ultimately to, to go to a show, um, however necessary and life-changing we might decide they are before and after, it's still a, a wild indulgence in the scheme of things. Um, but I've, you know, I've had a really good year of attending shows that only I've, you know, basically the things I've decided I've wanted to see. Yeah. In most cases, I have um, I've paid for them, or I've arranged a ticket directly through an artist because mm. we've got a relationship. It hasn't been about going to. I've still ended up writing about most of those shows because I think that's just ingrained in me now, <laughs> and I you know, and it's part of processing it, and I want to share whatever I've taken from it. But even that's been very that's been very interesting and very joyous because it's all been about seeing amazing things and wanting to share something of rather than the the deadline and the the looming sort of idea of it being an assignment mm. and you'll have your version of that well yes that, and also yeah. being able to read kind of free range reading yeah rather than the pro- yeah, yeah exactly because the at the moment list. a lot of the stuff I take home that I'm reading to it's keep research. up with what we're doing and just to have a complete open slate to explore yeah. ideas and yeah yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, do you want to name a few must-see things that you haven't already mentioned? Oh, that I haven't already mentioned. Or, well, well or reiterate know, do, what I'll your favourites are. So the Walker them, Project, I think, yeah. will be a complete amazing spectacle. Yeah. height for me, if you're an arts lover, is an absolute must-see. As is Swan Lake. I think I mentioned earlier how moved yeah. I was by it and how how beautifully interpreted it is. Um, Cecile McLaren Salvant, The Select, come down to the club, go to the Writers' Festival. We haven't talked mm, about Oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But um, there's some really interesting stuff coming. I'm going to talk to Mark as well anyway. Mark, so yeah. I'm going to, I'm gonna, he's been on my list of people to talk about yeah. anyway about everything else he's done. But when, when I talk to him, I imagine we will go yeah. through that in more detail. But that's a good program. Yeah. Um, and I think if you know the things that I've mentioned for you for family, if you, the digital playground, mm. Star Wars, and Peter and the Wolf, I think would be are really good picks if you've got little people around you. What well, say, you know, say someone's got one one night they can go to a thing. They've got one allocation of money, one babysitting pass, whatever it is. They they can go to one thing, and they've never been to anything at the festival before. What do you think, like, what's a great sort of... Or they want to treat someone to that experience. You know, they want to buy a Christmas... Because a cool thing I... Oh, you know what? Yeah, a cool thing I think to do would be buy someone a Christmas present of a a festival voucher or or particular show, so... pick for that would be the Barbershop Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Because, for several reasons, it's what the festival does best, bringing theatre and experiences from other parts of the world that we wouldn't normally see here. And that is very much that, this... um, set in six African countries. Um, it's a very joyous production. Mm. Um, it's very universal in its themes mm. and uplifting. Um, and the, the themes are really about men and what they talk about and kind of the condition of being a man. Um, and it's very musical, very vibrant, very dynamic. So I think everyone comes out of that really uplifted, mm. uh, but also having seen something really different that they wouldn't otherwise see in Wellington that, any other time of the year. That makes that a really good answer. Um, I I was also thinking, and we haven't quite talked about this, but the local, a lot of the local performers, there's a really nice sort of 
level of collaboration going on. Yeah. With you know one offs and yeah. or repeat or people approaching work differently. Yeah. Even just like one one thing I think that's great is Sam and Luke from the Phoenix Foundation. Yeah. Now that's something that I've kind of some version of that has been in my head for years. I've I've often thought I want to see those guys play their songs. Not that I don't like that band. I really like that band and I've seen that band a lot, but. I think something could be gained from seeing stripped down versions of, of, mm. of a range of the material those guys have created together and alone. Mm. Rear Hall and the Nudge. Yeah. 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 Just some really lovely things there. Warren Maxwell doing is doing the soundtrack for the Walker Project. Yeah, yeah. And that's taking him from um, kind of a world of research into the natural world because he's just been down in Antarctica and bringing yeah. that whole of the sounds that he recorded and combining that with his kind of mm. Trinity Roots kind of mm, vibe. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of that. And Nathan Haynes and Jonathan. Jonathan Crayford, which is kind of like two towering talents individually yeah. that that have a lot of um, similarity in their upbringing and musical voyage, you know, mm. coming from sort of musical dynasties, yeah. uh, 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 travelling off overseas, yeah. and, and they've done all this separately. So, and that you know, whole thing of return, yeah, you know, which yeah, I that's think right. is... Is a real challenge for New Zealand artists yes. who have done so well overseas yeah. and then coming back and kind of trying to create a life here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a brave move. Yeah. yeah. And that seems to be, yeah, so that seems to be a really cool thing to, to, be, to see on display as part of a festival, yeah. you know, quite a, quite a, um, a nice, strong artistic statement. Yeah. You know, just just the, the spirit of collaboration as much yeah. as anything. Um, it looks like a great festival. It really it reads well, you know, oh, ahead, you. ahead of time. Um, what what are your hopes for its um, for its success that are different this year going out compared to you know you always want the festival to do well, mm. but I guess that's part that's you know it's something that um, will come to you later on. But do you feel an added you know? You, it's a victory lap of, of sorts or whatever. Is that what you're hoping for? You know, <laughs> no. and I don't mean that to I don't mean yeah. that to sound quite so egotistical. You no. know, driven what for you. I but. think I would say is that in this program, I feel possibly more confident than I have with the last one about the experiences that people are going to mm. have in the theatre because I know what I've experienced and I'm just desperate for people to share that and to be able to share it with the community here. And I hope that they get, for me it's been a real, just finding these pieces and getting them into the programme has been a real affirmation, I think, of um, the best things about life, the best things about the world and people mm. and what we do together. And I hope that really comes through in the real experiences that people have when they see the work. Mm. Hey, well thanks. Is there anything else we need to, I, th I feel like you've, you're, you're such a great, um, Salesperson and ambassador <laughs> for the program because oh. you know you really you really live it and believe it, which is awesome. So yeah, I've, I've you. you know I've enjoyed talking to you again. Nothing seems to matter. Mm -hmm. Here's my heart on a silver platter. Where's my will? Why this strange desire that keeps mounting higher? 
chills right through me when I look at you, cause you're my thrill. You're my thrill. How my pulse increases. pieces when I look at you cause 